This is Belonging, a podcast that explores being alive in the age of loneliness. I'm your host, Becca Piastrelli, a writer, mother, and community tender currently living on the ancestral lands of the Coast Miwok people in present-day Marin County, California. In this show, we explore topics like rites of passage, cultivating meaningful community, seasonal and cyclical living, and what it means to be a good ancestor in these times. I have thought-provoking conversations with friends, teachers, elders, and ancestral medicine keepers to help support you in bringing more meaning and connection to your life. I also pop in here and there to share updates and learnings from my own story, because we were meant to do this together, cosmically holding hands as we walk the spiral of life. You can expect to be challenged by new or old ideas, face your beliefs and what systems informed them, get curious and brave to tell the truth about the deeper, harder things, and feel comforted in the knowing that you don't have to navigate it all alone. Hello and welcome back. It's Becca Piastrelli here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Belonging. This episode today is, if I could be honest, a very self-serving one, (laughs) but the thing I'm learning is the more I talk about things I'm thinking about and contending with, the more resonance I find that a lot of you are thinking about and contending with these same things. So I'm just trying to like, what's the more, it's not to kill two birds with one stone feed two birds with one scone. That's what I'm trying to do here is support all of us in our journeys. And so the journey I'm talking about today is clothing, fashion, dressing our bodies. This is what DC Gillespie, our amazing guest today, otherwise known as Mindful Closet on Instagram and on the internet, talks about. And I love how Daisy talks about the fact that we have to feed ourselves every day. We have to dress ourselves every day. We have to do it. And I just love the perspective she takes on being mindful, being ethical, and ridding ourselves of these beauty ideals and internalized fat phobia and really imprinted ideas of what is supposed to look good on us, what we're supposed to like when we're dressing our body temple. Now, I will say I enjoy adorning myself, although sometimes I don't. I'd say over time, as my body has changed, this is what I talk about over the last couple years with being pregnant and giving birth, I've really experienced a big change in my body, which has challenged my own beliefs and values around adorning my body temple, getting dressed. And so when I saw Daisy's message out there and read some of her articles, which we linked to, and saw that we had some mutual friends I talked to about like capsule wardrobes and ethical fashion, and I just thought I got to talk to her. So who is Daisy Gillespie? Well, she's a personal stylist who intuitively guides us to discover the clothes we feel best in, uncovering and releasing what society says we should wear in the process. So in this episode, we explore the question, what do you want to wear? And we talk about how pausing before purchasing 
can help us make more ethical decisions and find clothes we love. And she gives some really hot tips for those of us who get that dopamine hit from a purchase, either in person, but a lot of us online in the last few years, right? And how we can actually bring that pause, that slow down earth pace to our shopping habits, our purchasing rituals. Daisy also shares why this topic of flattering is a fat phobic concept. It's really powerful. How to approach your clothes when your body changes because all of our bodies change. It's inevitable. They change. And her advice for online shopping and creating a capsule wardrobe. So our conversation is an invitation to stop settling for clothes you don't really like. It's also a reminder that you have a right to feel good in what you wear. It's a good one. And we've got some really great links in the show notes. You can always go to beccapiastrelli.com slash podcast or belongingpodcast.com to always check out the show notes. I try to drop in links that we talk about and quotes and things like that to give you um, more to dive into when you listen to these conversations. So I will just get out of the way and welcome you into the room with me and Daisy Gillespie of Mindful Closet. I'm so glad I discovered you. You discovered me. We discovered each other. Yeah. Yeah. I found you through Mara Glatzel. And I found you through Mara Glatzel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mara Glatzel, people will know from the podcast, she talks about, she has a podcast called Needy. I interviewed her. And so then you contacted me and then I just became besotted with your message and what you do in the world. So maybe you can just give a little intro, however feels real today about who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Daisy. I I call myself a personal stylist because that's just kind of the search term that people can use to find me on the internet, but I don't think it's the most accurate description of what I do. I, I work with women to help them kind of uncover and become aware of the messages they've been given about why they think they should wear certain things and then look at those and and release them so that they can really figure out what it is that they truly feel best in um, aside from all those external messages. I have two small children. And parenthood is hard for me. And that's a big part of uh, just my life right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of where I am with most things. It's, it's loving the work that I'm doing, wishing I had a little more bandwidth for it and, and working through the struggles. How old are your children? Three and seven. Yeah. Working and mothering could be a whole conversation <laughs> we have here. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just coming into wanting to work. Mm. I sort of had to work very early postpartum because I had a book coming out contractually obligated. I was also very proud of it and wanted to put it in the world, but I was not from a capacity point ready mm-hmm. and it was really hard and damaging ultimately. And I've, I'm just coming out of that sort of like third cave winter moment of being like, I cannot do this. And I want to work now. And I'm literally like, oh, how? How? Yeah. It's so different now. 
Yeah, it's very hard. And, you know, that relates to a lot of things that we might talk about today, too, which is coming out of that cave and figuring like, okay, who am I now? And what do I want to wear? And how do I express that in the world? And and all those good things, too. Yeah. So let's dive into that. So the context for me really wanting to talk to you beyond just like, these are interesting and important conversations of our time is that I grew a baby in my body birthed her out of it and have a new shaped body. It's the same body and it's newly shaped. And I am having this experience with my body and with clothing. And I love clothing. I love dressing up. I love shopping. I don't know if I'm great at it. And I would love to talk to you more about that. I like style. I'm also a millennial who grew up with some like pretty unhealthy, uh, you know, beauty industrial complex fashion experiences of, um, of what bodies and fashion could be. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy to have more size inclusive brands in the world now. But with this new body, I'm really in, I'm, I'm bumping up against these sort of, I don't know, they feel like old rules where it's like, Save those clothes for when you get your body back. Mm -hmm. Another thing is like, get rid of all of them, trash them and get a whole new wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And then there's my whole feeling of like, I'm buying clothes that I'm seeing on bodies, model bodies that aren't my own, just in bigger sizes. And then I'm confused about even if I like them or not. And (laughs) I hired a personal stylist for my virtual book tour. One of the big ones, one of the ones to like, I really pulled out all the stops and it was lovely. And what we focused on, what was this word you talk about flattering for my curvy, bigger body. So I invite you to dive in on what I said, what's coming up for you about your opinions on someone in this experience that I am in. Yeah, so many questions and so many thoughts. Um, I kind of want to work backwards a little bit and just let's talk about flattering, right? Like, let's talk about this concept and how we've all been conditioned to believe that that's the most important thing about your clothing, right? And if we really break down the concept, there are certainly ways that things can flatter people in, in different ways, but the commonly used version of the word means to appear as small as possible, right? Yeah. And so it is kind of an impossible optical illusion that you're trying to perform to make people think that you're smaller than you are. And then that just leads into kind of a a whole anti-fat question here, which is why is that better? Why Why do we have to appear smaller to seem attractive? And that's again, you know, kind of when I introduce myself, like saying like this, this concept of calling myself a personal stylist, I really reject a lot of the things that you would associate with that term, just because that's not my goal. My goal is not to make you look as close to the ideal standard of beauty as possible. My goal is to help you recognize which of those things you've been striving for and hating yourself for and let those go Mm. so that you can wear what you wear. Mm. Okay, I'm hearing you say this and I'm like, yes. And wow, that's a lot to work through. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who 
I'm realizing like, you know, the, the sort of subconscious imprinting of fashion and style, especially as someone who's been interested in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to like get copies of InStyle and like, oh man, we just had the Oscars. They just, you know, Mm -hmm. we're recording this right after the Academy Awards and like, oh, I would just obsess over the dresses and I'd put photos from InStyle magazine all over my wall as a teenager and like that stuff imprinted on me. Yeah. So when you're like, wear something that you just love to wear, I'm like, what is that? Yeah, it's such a great question. And it's one that takes weeks and weeks to work through when I work one-on-one with someone to do that. And also, I want to just early on put out this disclaimer that it's not safe for everyone to wear just what they want to wear. Yeah. Because unfortunately, in our culture, there are people who will get hurt or assaulted um, if they're showing up as their full selves. And of course, that's what we want to work towards is like every time someone, every time one of us with privilege can shift those norms a little bit, then my hope is that by us all shifting those norms, that eventually we will get to a place where it's safe to show up as yourself no matter what. Mm. But just to acknowledge that that's not always true right now. So yeah, you're, you're completely not alone. So many people they're actually kind of, and I'm getting a little bit of that sense from you as well, but they're just kind of flabbergasted when I say, well, what do you want to wear? Because they're like, no, I, I thought you were going to tell me what to wear. You know, I thought you were going to look at me and look at my body and look at my coloring and say, well, here's what will make you look best. And I'm just not interested in that. That's not interesting to me. That is something you can read a book about and, you know, do that if that's your, if that's your goal. But I'm really interested in, what is underneath all the layers of the conditioning as you're, you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing I've worked with three personal stylists, more traditional ones sounds like, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing they're looking at trends. They're taking in this like cultural story, right. Including the, the, you know, flattering, which is like a fat phobic term I'm now realizing. And they're telling me what to wear, which is really just like a projection of their <laughs> perception of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, yes, yes, do that to me, which <laughs> completely, yeah, which completely bypasses my own experience in the clothes, which means that when I wear the clothes, I'm not wearing them for me. Yes, yes. And what I have experienced, because I've had many clients like you who have been like, I've tried this before, I've tried this before. And again, no one ever asked them what they wanted to wear. (laughs) It was kind of like, like I say, like, I'm not going to dress you like a Barbie doll or you're not a paper doll. Like, you know, being asked what you want to wear makes it a little bit more viable for what you come up with being something that you can stick with long term because it's from you. It's internal. It's based on your needs and your preferences and your aesthetic desires um, and so the experience I've had is with clients coming to me and saying, yeah, I've tried this before. Um, and no one asked me what I liked and therefore I spent a lot of money and didn't ever wear any of the clothes. I've spent so much money, Daisy, <laughs> in the last, okay. So I'm 19 months postpartum and in the last 19 months I have been in this cycle and I'm someone who really wants to be conscious. Like let's bring in like ethical, um, purchasing of clothes, you know, and, and I, I'm feeling guilt and shame over this like cycle I'm doing. I mean, at least I'm like gifting my friends beautiful clothes, but I'm like, what's going on here mm-hmm. in the cycle that I'm trying to break, which is like, 
I want pieces. I like this term. Like I want pieces. I want to feel like a walking work of art that is comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to move. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that that's my North Star. And I did that with another stylist. Like mm-hmm. I know that, but I keep going in this cycle and I'm like, knowing my body is going to expand and contract a lot more in life. How do I commit to a sustainable way of acquiring adornments for my temple body? Mm, Okay. A couple of things. First, I want to go back to the things, the cycle that's happening. And I'm just curious if you could reflect on when you purchased those things, kind of what you were expecting them to be. And then when they arrived and when you put them into practice, so to speak, when you started wearing them, what made them not work for you that you then passed them on? Fit, first of all. Okay. There was an aspect of the fit that didn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. And there's a trigger there for me from many years of feeling, of being just like, okay, I'm not fat. I am on the higher end of traditional sizing. And that has impacted me in a way of feeling bad and wrong and just wanting to get rid of that feeling. So I get rid of the clothing. So if there's like a tightness, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, got to get rid of it. Yeah. Can I ask you why you are not trying them on when you get them and then returning them if they don't fit your body? Because that's your right, you know, to be able to discern. Oh yeah. yeah. I definitely am a hardcore returner. I think these are the clothes I can no longer return. Ah, okay. Okay. Because they're custom or, um, or I've worn them a few times, you know. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, and I wonder if that maybe hasn't been that as high of a priority as it should have been, you know, just how something fits on your body and just knowing, I mean, what do I, what part of what I do with clients is, is like we do a whole process there's multiple sessions but we do a process where we we do some shopping i do some shopping for them and then we do kind of together i hold their hand through a try on session and part of that is just like tapping into like how does this feel when you put it on your body you know the first time you put something on what is your feeling does it feel tight does it feel constrictive does it feel just right or good And then the other thing I'll say is that I also tell people to wear their clothes around for a few hours before you make a decision, you know, Um, because fabrics wear in, you know, and I, you know, made that mistake myself enough times to know like, okay, I'm, this seems to fit well as I'm standing here in front of the mirror. How's it going to fit after I've worked at my computer for a couple of hours? Or how is it going to fit after I have, you know, kind of moved around my life a little bit? Which is, you know, again, I mean, it's something tough to do because there's a whole aspect of this that comes with the, like, the buying of things and the whole process of buying of things and returning of things and the feelings that are bound up in that, especially some feelings around kind of um, eco-consciousness. And yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot there. Mm-hmm. I've been watching um, Bridgerton and <laughs> Gilded Age because that's like my favorite. Mm -hmm. And watching in these shows how people get their clothes custom made for their bodies. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading in your Forbes feature, which we will link in the show notes, 
You wrote, even as recently as 100 years ago, sizing didn't exist before mass produced clothing. Clothing was made for your body. It was hand sewn. If you were poor, you made it yourself. And if you were wealthy, you had someone make it for your body. This concept of my body should fit into these clothes is completely made up by companies. And I think that's really important, especially for those of us who do feel that sort of like, I don't know, size freak out or fit freak out of just like, it is our right for clothes to fit our bodies. Yeah. And it's something that I think that we've all kind of, it's, it's not easy, right? It takes a lot of effort as you're experiencing now. Um, it takes a lot of time and effort to kind of try a bunch of things and see which things feel good on your body. But I think we've all been kind of conditioned to settle and just say like, well, clearly there's something wrong with me and clearly there's something wrong with my body and this is the best I'm going to do. And so I will just kind of put up with this. I'll put up with things that feel too tight or that, you know, don't feel great or I don't like the fabric or whatever it is. But then ultimately, again, what I see is down the road, just an accumulation of that stuff because we're all human and we all kind of like, you, you know, when you go in your closet and you kind of pass through the different hangers and some things you're just like, Oh no, I do not want to wear that. You know, we all have that feeling about some of our clothes. Mm. And the problem is we just don't catch that quick enough to make that decision before we purchase the item. Again, we just kind of settle and say, well, this will work for now. I don't have the time or I don't have the energy or my body won't work in other things. And I'm just going to settle for this. But what I see again is the end result, which is a bunch of clothes that you don't wear. Yeah. So what's your feeling on that? Like um, dopamine hit of hitting by that happens that contributes to this cycle where you aren't slowing down enough to be like, Hmm, about, you know, really consider the full picture of that garment and then probably contributing to, I don't know, a fast fashion type cycle. Well, it's interesting because two things come to mind. One is that that was essentially that what you just described, that pause before you make the decision to buy something is truly why I named my business Mindful Closet Mm. was like just to like have us be a little bit more thoughtful about why we're buying something or why we're wearing something. And so I think that pause is so important. And one thing that can make you pause is a price, right? And if a price is very low, you don't have to pause because it doesn't hurt you. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel painful <laughs> to make that decision. So that's, that's just something to be aware of. As far as the dopamine hit, like I completely get that. And honestly, I think there's a few hacks. I think there's a few things you can do to get that little feeling of a hit of excitement, but without making the purchase at that, at that time. I mean, for me and my clients, I always recommend creating a Pinterest board with the items you're thinking of buying. So like save it to a Pinterest board. If you're out shopping in person, like take a photo, take a photo and then move on, you know, and I find that just taking some little action makes you feel as though you've done something Mm -hmm. as long as the doing isn't the purchasing if it, you know, and then again, whatever you have to do to allow yourself to have that pause where the like logical brain can come back in and be like, okay, yeah, that's a great piece, but you don't ever go to cocktail parties. So that's going to be, even though it's 75% off, it's not going to be a great purchase for you, you know, or whatever the thing might be that just allows you to kind of click back into logical thinking. (laughs) Wow. That's true. I did unconsciously or just like I did the whole, I made a Pinterest board. It's called my covet list. Oh, nice. And I started doing that. Well, I noticed I was buying a lot of 
clothing for my child. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of like trans way I could buy, like I, yeah, transference. Yes, yes, yes. Where I was like, okay, well, my body, oh, we're just going to wait and see breastfeeding. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I became obsessed with, with child baby fashion, which is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And which, you know, and they grow out of those clothes so fast, mm-hmm. so fast, really makes you think. But I was like, okay, wait, this is actually satisfying something in me that it just doesn't feel it started it started to feel not right mm-hmm. so i started to do a my covet my covet list pin for things and it's just full and then i go back like a month later i'm like why did i want to get that rooster shaped onesie yeah <laughs> exactly yeah why did i want to buy that very expensive beach umbrella what Well, and then the great thing is that if you're still thinking about it or you still are reflecting on it and you go back and look at it again and it still looks as great as it did, you know, not the experience that you're talking about, but like, you know, you see something you're like, no, that would work for my lifestyle. That would feel good on my body. That does express the aesthetic style that I want to present to the world. Great. Then, you know, like you've kind of done some thinking about it and let it settle a little bit and you can be somewhat more um, confident with your purchase. And then I just want to say, again, there's still a pause that whenever, you know, we're, uh, you know, obviously speaking of online stuff at the moment, but, but you still, I just want to make sure that because there's so many clients who say, well, I bought, I bought this thing online and it came and I didn't really like it, but I kept it because I had ordered it. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to make sure that we all kind of shift that sense of ownership is like, you're ordering it to try on. You have no way of knowing in the world how that garment is going to fit or look or feel to you. And you have not decided to purchase it until you make that decision when you're holding it, you know? So just, just to kind of throw that out there as well. Cause I think a lot of us are things make their way into our house and we either, we don't want to return it. We're overwhelmed with life or we feel some sense of guilt of, you know, the, the ethical effects of returning things. And so we hold on to things that we kind of already know we don't want. Yeah, I feel confused about returning and that because I was reading about how sometimes returns just get incinerated or thrown in landfill. Do you know more about this? Yeah, I mean, I want to say that well, first of all, there's a great Atlantic article that I'll I'll send you and you can link to if you'd like, yeah, which please. does kind of a deep dive on this and and it is awful. Unfortunately, like there's according to this article, 25% of returns do get trashed. And also it's not okay for corporations to pass that responsibility onto the individual consumer, right? Like that is not our responsibility. That is a corporation's responsibility to come up with a way to deal with that ethically. So again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really a systemic problem. And then all the personal responsibility gets put on us individuals and we end up not buying the clothes that we need to fit our body because we feel so guilty about that. So I just want to make sure to be very clear about that, that that's an issue that needs to be fixed, but it's, it's not something you or I can necessarily do at the moment. Um, and then the other thing I want to say is that from what I know, the 25% of returns that do get trashed are generally the very cheapest things because the reason why they're getting trashed and not processed as returns is because it's not worth it, right? So one thing you can do to make sure 
that what you return doesn't get trashed is to try and buy higher quality things and buy them from retailers that you know, because I've, I mean, I know plenty business owners and plenty shop owners, and I know that their returns don't get trashed. I know they get returned to their shop yeah, and they reprocess them and they put them back on the hanger and they get sold again. So it's a very nuanced kind of issue, but I think I always just want to make sure that women are not, you know, neglecting what they need in favor of this larger systemic issue that is not their personal individual responsibility. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. And I I see the way in which it feeds the beast to purchase and keep and keep purchasing and keeping and yeah, just like feeding that consumerist cycle. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about just like acquiring of stuff and then this like, well, I can just donate it like here. It's like donate to the goodwill. And then I was reading this article that I'll also link about like up to 80% of what's donated to the goodwill is put in the landfill or incinerated, which made me realize like, oh, if we just have the assumption we can buy and donate. Yeah. That's not great either. Then it's feeding the beast. So it's like, what is actually an action we can take that empowers us to like still purchase. Right. Mm -hmm. And also slow down that cycle. And it is the pause. I'm really hearing you. It's the pause. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, I liken it to like my emotional eating too of like just the, Mm -hmm. and, and just like life slowing down really seems to be operating at an earth pace seems to be the antidote here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I always say that the most ethical thing you can do is to make a mindful purchase because if you've given it that thought, and again, if you've done some of that work to know truly like what you want, who you are in terms of your clothes, and then you think about that as you're making your purchases, you're more likely to wear something multiple times. And the more times you wear something, the more ethical of a purchase it is. It doesn't matter where it was made. The thing about clothing that's unethical is when we buy something for $7, the the price of a cup of coffee, and we wear it one time and we discard it. So really, the more mindful you can be about buying things that you know you will wear, that's the the best way to, to be really ethical. And for me, one of those ways to get there is by doing some of this work around discovering your own personal style, because then you can really have more of a sense of confidence that you're buying things that you'll love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what are your thoughts on trends, fashion trends? Um, I mean, I think they're fun. I follow them. I participate in some of them. And it sounds like you're similar to me. I like clothing is a part of my interests. It's part of my like hobbies, like things that I do. And so like keeping up with those things is something that interests me. I also feel like trends are terrible <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, both and. If you're not someone who is interested in keeping up with that stuff, it can make you feel as though you are really being left behind or you're not cool or some kind of thing. It can be very exclusionary. So, um, yeah, I find them fun. And I also find it um, frustrating if it's not something you want to participate in that, that sometimes it feels like a club that you have to know, like the secret password to. Yeah, I'm finding that I, again, it's like kind of unconscious what's happening is I'm at an age now where like clothes I had like 20 years ago are cool again. Mm. And I'm like, why did I get rid of them? (laughs) You know, like, I wish I had those pair of jeans. I wish I had that shirt. 
Uh, and yeah, maybe you can comment on the, those of us who get also a dopamine hit from the purge. Mm-hmm. Like the clearing out. I'm definitely someone, I know it comes from my mother. She just like loved getting, you know, there's, there's like, I'm going to be minimalist. I'm like a maximalist who gets some sort of satisfaction at thinking she could be a minimalist. And it's like a very interesting, and it also contributes to the cycle of harm in that Mm -hmm. sense of like from an ethical standpoint. And also I'm sad when I, you know, like I watch like Sex and the City and she's got like her dresses from 30 years ago. I'm like, oh, I don't, I mean, I did keep my wedding dress and my prom dress, but no, I'm constantly updating. And I think in the last five years I've started to hold on to pieces, but I'm, I'm noticing that's happening for me too. Yeah. I mean, I think that is just such an individual thing. I am not a proponent. I'm not one of those people who will come into your closet and be like, get rid of everything you haven't worn in a year because some things have sentimental meaning. Some things you want to hold on to, to pass down some things you use once a year and that's it, but you need them because you do use them once a year. Um, and if you got rid of it, you'd have to purchase it again. So I think it's just such an individual thing. I think we can take decluttering a little too far, but I think there's probably more of an issue of, of the guilt that people feel about letting things go. I, I always call it like from a past self. Mm. Like to be quite honest, Becca, I don't know if you would want those clothes from 20 years ago, if they would feel like you would wear them. I'm sure your body has changed and your life has changed. That's true. And, and it's just what often happens is people do hold on to those things and then they beat themselves up for being a different person who, who can't wear those things anymore. Yeah, that's true. I think I just, I'm trying to find my sweet spot, but I don't want to be a hoarder. <laughs> I don't want to be a constant purger who's buying and purging, buying and purging, buying and purging. And so, yeah, that's like my, my journey that yeah. I'm on. Yeah, that was, to be quite honest, that was my exact journey as well before I started this business. You know, as we've kind of mentioned, like, I love clothes. I love fashion. I love keeping up with that stuff. I bought a ton. And a lot of it was secondhand. A lot of it was from thrift stores because I didn't have a ton of money. But I found myself in that cycle over and over and over. I would see something, think, that's kind of cute. I'll give it a try. I would try it one time. It would go in my donate pile. And again, a lot of it was already from the thrift store. So I wasn't so much participating in fast fashion, although some of it certainly was, but really just the emotional energy it took for me to kind of continually be dealing with the new stuff in and the, and the stuff that didn't work out is really what kind of motivated me to think more deeply about what do I really want to be wearing and why am I trying all this stuff that's really not for me? Mm-hmm. So when our body has changed, like pretty dramatically from something, something happened, because this happens to all, nearly all of us, right? Our bodies change, they get bigger, they get smaller, things happen to it for whatever reason. Like, how do we approach our wardrobe from that place? Well, I think first with a lot of compassion, a lot of self-compassion, and I think also with an awareness that we've been taught 
that bodies don't change. And, you know, this kind of, this kind of alludes to your having these pictures of these celebrities up on your wall from InStyle magazine. That's the image we're given, right? Is these models and actresses who don't change. <laughs> Their body sizes don't change and they are epitomized as, as the ideal. And that's the message we're given. And then throughout our lives, that's, that's what we see in, in the media and in the culture. And then around us, we see lots of women who are beating themselves up for having their bodies change. And so we're getting this message from all these different ways. And this is where, you know, when I was thinking about, about talking to you today, this was one of the things that I thought really like connected well is this whole idea of, you know, constant evolution and constant change and constant growth and things that we allow in nature and we allow in animals and we allow in children, but we don't allow in human adult females. So that's one of the biggest ways I think to approach dressing yourself is giving yourself that self-compassion that I know I was taught that bodies aren't supposed to change, but it's completely normal for bodies to change. My body is changing. That's totally normal. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not bad. And then once you have that in your mind, hopefully it becomes a little easier to give yourself permission to clothe this new body, you know, because again, that's something that a lot of women punish themselves by not allowing themselves new clothes because they feel they don't deserve it because they're going to wait until they get back to some previous um, incarnation of their body. And that's, again, that's what I'm seeing most of the time. I really, this has been coming up for me quite a lot recently because I really did start my business more of as a minimalist. That was really my my focus was that, oh, we're all buying too much. It's really like overconsumption. And, and believe me, that's definitely happening. But what I've found over these last nine years of working with women is so many women are just denying themselves the stuff they actually need. And it all comes back to body acceptance. It all comes back to feeling like their body is not what it should be. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? It's an insidious feeling because I would say I'm openly, my values are aligned with yours. And I would say that to anyone, a best friend, you know, my mother, my fellow new mamas. And yet that like niggling thought does, it's more like, but maybe I'll get my mm-hmm. body back. It's like this interesting little voice that is hard to soften and mute that I'm realizing is there for me that I'm working through. Yeah. And I want to respond to that by saying, like, I feel the same way as you. I, my job is to tell other women to, you know, kind of uh, give themselves self-compassion and I don't always give it to myself. And I talk about this a lot on social media, but my body has changed. I, I don't exactly know what's going on. I mean, my, my youngest is three and a half. I am 44. So I may be nearing uh, menopause, you know, two years of a global pandemic probably caused some stress, but my body is just changing all on its own. <laughs> and it's just doing its own thing. And just like you, I can give you all the compassion in the world. And I'm you know, struggling to give it to myself. But I will say one thing that I have put into practice that allows me to feel like my body is worthy is is by buying clothes that fit. I'm really hearing you in this moment. It's It's landing in a deeper way that all of that can be true and we can be 
gentle with ourselves and allow like those thoughts come up and like you're not bad or wrong for thinking that, but it's still your right as a human being to feel good in your clothing. Because I think I read something you wrote in one of your pieces that you sent me was like, we have to feed ourselves every day and we have to dress ourselves every day. Like it's something we have to do. And so yeah, I just know so many people in my life who like, they would rather just bypass that choice. It's so painful. I want to know more about a capsule wardrobe. And I'm wondering if this is something I personally could integrate into my, I'm going to call it adornment practice, Mm. because I'm trying to shift my cycle, you know, I'm trying to really get in a place and I, I yeah, I'm definitely going to do a session with you too, mm-hmm. because I think I'm primed here in this moment in my life to look at that. And I, I'm wondering if a capsule wardrobe is something I could take on or anyone else listening could work through. So if you could share more about what that is and, and how to do it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great answer to kind of some of the questions you're bringing up around this idea of if our bodies are constantly changing, how do we plan for that? Right. And I think the answer is that we can't and that a wardrobe is also constantly evolving. And there's really not going to be some ideal place that you get to with your wardrobe where you've got everything in place. And I think, again, just coming to a, an acceptance of that um, can be really helpful. And that's something that I definitely early on was like, I'm going to build the perfect wardrobe and then I will be done. And, you know, mm-hmm. found that that was just not possible um, because styles change, our bodies change, our preferences change, our lifestyles change, what we need our clothes to do changes. It's all, it's all constantly evolving. So what is great is that you don't really need a ton of clothes to feel good in your wardrobe. And so when I say, you know, allow yourself to buy new clothes, I don't necessarily mean go out and buy 20 things, right? It could really be three or four that make a huge shift in how you feel every day. And so a capsule wardrobe is essentially a limited number of items that mix and match pretty easily. So it really is just this idea that you don't necessarily need a lot. If you can let go of some of the other cultural standards that we've been indoctrinated into, for instance, the idea of repeating clothing, the idea of wearing things often, you know, a lot of things that again come from consumerism and, um, you know, advertising and just trying to get us to spend more money. Those are all things that are also made up. So if we can let go of some of those things, then we can just work with a small number of items and wear them kind of over and over. Yeah. Normalize outfit repeating. Yes, exactly. Even if someone has taken a picture and put it on Instagram of you in that outfit, you can wear it again. Exactly. And that's like, it's funny. We're laughing, but people tell me that truly. They're like, well, I I wore this outfit and there's a picture on Facebook of me and therefore I can never wear it again. And I just want, again, that idea that like, that's made up by companies who want you to buy more stuff. So let's let that go. Mm-hmm. Let's not like, you know, think that that is something that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And so, yeah, so the, the idea with a capsule wardrobe is it's a small number of items. And usually people feel very just intimidation around this idea of creating a capsule. But I usually think or I usually tell people you already have a capsule. It's just kind of buried in the rest of your clothes. Because if you just went through your closet and you really pulled out, like if you, if I asked you, Becca, to go and get the 10, the 10 things that you wear the most often, you would have those. And that, that's essentially, that's your capsule right now. 
And then you can kind of see, well, these are the 10 things I'm wearing most often. What's missing? What do I need to add? What flavor is maybe missing here? What like little bit of, of variety or excitement is missing? And you can add those things in. And the other thing that I always want to point out too, is that just because you're doing something that's quote minimalist doesn't mean it has to be linen and neutral and boring. And I love neutral things, <laughs> but if you have you know, a a desire for more colorful and out there things, you can have those in your capsule as well. It doesn't have to be all black and white and gray. I feel called out. Oh, no. (laughs) The best way possible. (laughs) Not intentional. (laughs) I think that's the impact, right? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I think this is so important. I think it's the, because I am a I don't know what I am. There's so much there. <laughs> but like, I do know that I love a pop, a color. I love a print, mm-hmm. you know, and I've really gone down the rabbit hole, particularly of dressing my child in neutrals because I like that neutrality of gender expression. Mm-hmm. And then I took it on as like, that's what an ethical, mm-hmm. you know, like serious <laughs> person wears. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you're not alone. And again, I, it's unfortunate when we were talking about trends, this is kind of a trend too, you know, and it's again, like something you can opt to, to join if you like, or it's something you can say like, well, I feel like that's missing a little bit of something for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. I want, I, I want to, I'm going to pull the top 10 pieces I wear and I'm going to take a look and I'm going to ask myself what's missing. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. It's a great tip. So we're at the end of our time together. And I'm wondering if you have any other tips. I actually, again, this is basically a very self-serving podcast episode, (laughs) but I do believe it is serving in deep ways. As an avid online orderer, I just don't have a lot of space to go out and shop at this season of my life where it's like when I have childcare Shopping, it's a hard one for me to choose to do with my time. Yeah. And the internet just, just serves me the ads. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you have any other pro tips for online shopping. Yes, I have a lot of them and some of them are going to feel jarring. Okay. I'm prepared. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the first one is really to, to order a lot, <laughs> to really think of online ordering as bringing the dressing room to you. When you go into a store, you grab anything you want to try off the racks and you take it all in the dressing room, right? And you try it all on and you don't think anything of the fact that like nine out of 10 things don't work because you're just trying them on. You're just in the dressing room. And we really have to think of online shopping the same way. You need to be able to have multiple sizes on hand. You need to be able to have like a bunch of different options on hand because you're just trying a bunch of stuff. And if you had to go through the process every time, like for instance, if you, if you need a new dress and you just ordered one dress, in one size, you would get that dress 99% of the time, it's not going to be the right dress. So then you return it, then you order another one. And then that one you like, but you don't get the right size. So you've got to send it back. And then you have to order the right size. And so my advice is always to order a bunch, like order a bunch all at once, pretend like you're in the dressing room, try it all on, have a couple of sizes of the things that you're really, you know, hoping will work out, use the size guides online, but know that they are completely made up (laughs) and that, you know, they're only an approximation. Yeah. And so that's why I always recommend ordering two sizes and try that. I mean, I've, I've had many clients who, you know, are very hesitant to doing that. And I'll also acknowledge it's not a privilege that everyone can do to kind of put a lot of money on a credit card, even for a short amount of time. But 
especially if you don't love shopping, that's one way to kind of like get through a lot of stuff quickly. It just makes the process a little more compact and less drawn out over time. Good tip, which means we all need to have on hand a measuring tape to measure our bodies. Mm -hmm. I ordered beautiful measuring tape Mm. and I'm going to link to it. It makes it feel like a beautiful, like I'm in the modiste. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally just watched Bridgerton. Yeah. yeah, like it's a beautiful experience to measure your body, your changing body, and to not be like, well, I'm like for me, I'm like, oh, I'm an XL, so I'm probably an XL, or oh, I'm a 16. So, but it's like, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm a 2X. Maybe I'm a large. Yeah. And to have that measuring tape always next, I ha- literally have it here in a beautiful little basket next mm-hmm. to my desk because this is where I do my online shopping mm-hmm. and I remeasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I always like to say your measurements are morally neutral. There's no good measurement. There's no bad measurement. It's literally just, here's the number, try and match the number to the size chart on this brand's website, knowing that you're going to be two sizes different in another brand and two sizes different in the third brand. And um, the only thing that stays constant there is is your measurements um, and the rest of it is pretty arbitrary. I also really appreciate when these online retailers have places where people can upload photos of them wearing the garment. Yeah, I love that too. And the size they bought. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's a service I could provide. Yeah. <laughs> I consume these like I'm hungry. Like show me your body. Because of my my body size, I'm like, you I, let how big are your breasts? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. let me see this. Okay. Mm-mm. Is there any tugging there? Okay. And uh, why don't I do that? I want to do that. I want to upload a photo of me and share that as well. I'm going to claim that here. Okay. Okay. Well, give yourself some grace because you, you have a little <laughs> child. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But I'll just, right. you know, I'll just give a shout out to, you know, a couple of fast fashion brands, which, you know, have started using models of three different sizes. Like for instance, Old Navy. Now you can click to show each item on an XL model or on a size small model and things like that are super helpful. And they're super normalizing for everyone to just know like, yeah, this is a normal body and this is a normal body. I, yeah, that's definitely happening now. And I, I just wish 13 year old Becca had that. (laughs) It's just such a gnarly time shopping. Yeah, I know. It's so hard. Well, Daisy, I really appreciate everything you shared and for going on this journey with me and holding space for me. You did all, there was a lot of emotional labor happening here and I'm just so appreciative. And so people can find you as the mindful closet or mindful closet. Just at mindful closet. Yeah. On Instagram and dot com. That's right. Yep. (laughs) For my website. Cool. Is there anything else you want to share about for people to hire you? Check out my website. I offer a free call if you want to kind of see um, if we vibe, but um, I'm just grateful that I, it didn't feel like emotional labor to me because I, I just love talking about this stuff all the time. So thanks for having me and I appreciate the chance to do it. Totally. I know the feeling. Thank you so much for listening. In a time when our attention is being pulled in so many directions, I feel honored you chose to devote some of yours here with me. If you want to check out show notes or listen to past episodes, go to belongingpodcast.com. 
And if you like what we talk about here and want to know more, you can subscribe to my newsletter at beccapiastrelli.com. I'll be with you again soon.